Welcome to the Truth Lover, Empowering Enlightened Humanity webinar and podcast presented by Love and Truth Party. Love and Truth Party is a self-organizing, self-replicating community and movement of love and awakening. Our wisdom School, facilitating and celebrating the true nature of the human being. We exist to empower the deep realization and integration of unitive consciousness. Our projects include distributing a million love letters to the world, inviting people to receive the love and care in these and within the happiness hacks on our website, which is www.loveandtruthparty.org. Our intention is to invite people to pay this forward, involve themselves in a giant social experiment, uh, a self-organizing, self-replicating movement of love and awakening. It's a real joy to be here on our first ever Truth Lover webinar and podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Kristen Singer, and our special guest, Lynn Marie Lumiere. Kristen Singer is a teacher, a yogi, a mother, an artist, as you can see some, for those of you that are on the webinar, the beautiful work behind her. And Kristen is going to uh, introduce our special guest today, Lynn Marie Lumiere. Lynn Marie is a non-dual psychotherapist, author, and activist who is passionate about creating a new kind of activism that combines embodied non-dual spiritual awakening with a direct action inspired and guided by true wisdom. Her work supports and facilitates waking up to the truth of our shared being and finding solutions in an infinite intelligence beyond our conditioned mind. Lynn Marie is the author of the upcoming book, Undivided Love, which introduces Awakened Relating and will be published by New Harbinger in July 2018. I love that title. Welcome, Lynn Marie. It's great to have you here with us. Yes, happy to be here. And such a rich topic, awakened activism. Just to share with our viewers, listeners, Briefly, I was introduced to this concept. I was aware of sacred activism and so on at the Science and Non-Duality Conference. I walked into the, just caught the tail end of your talk and I heard awakened activism. And I heard you share that paradox of all is well and yet acting to make the world better. And that just really spoke to me very deeply. So perhaps as a, as a starting point, uh, what is awakened activism? What does this mean for you? Well, it's a term that I came up with, not so much to create something different or other than sacred activism, but just to have a different emphasis. And what I would call awakened activism includes everything that sacred activism is, and bringing um, spiritual understanding and wisdom and compassion to the issues that we're facing in the world. You know, being spiritual practitioners and uh, not just coming into that deeper um, peace within ourselves, but taking that into the world and taking action in the world from that place. So awakened activism includes everything that sacred activism does. I'm just emphasizing awakened consciousness and empowerment. And that's why I, I love what you're doing, you know, empowering the enlightened uh, being. It's It's all about empowerment in the sense that we actually are 
divine beings that are creating this reality. At all times, we're creating this reality out of our, our consciousness because that's all that there is. And sacred activism doesn't nece necessarily include uh, non-dual wisdom in the sense of knowing that we're all one being and that this is our consciousness and we have created this world as it is and we're responsible for all of it, even the worst of it, and therefore we can create a new world um, as empowered creators as we come more into the truth of our being, which is really accessible right here and right now you know, to access this beingness that's looking out of our eyes at all time, times is accessible. And then as we return to that repeatedly, we can learn to rely on that and move uh, into the world from an infinite wisdom. Um, because the um, uh, unprecedented evolutionary crisis that we find ourselves in is creating an imperative that we move to a new level of consciousness out of duality. So that's another aspect of awakened activism that may or may not be in sacred activism, which is moving beyond duality into the non-dual truth of our shared being so that we're not approaching the issues as a separate self, um, being victimized by the circumstances in our world or separate, has seen them as separate or other than us. It is all, all of us, and we are meeting it from a consciousness that's beyond duality. Because the duality, the dualistic consciousness is what created the mess we're in right now. And we need to meet it at another level of consciousness. Mm. Oh, <laughs> there's such a depth and richness. And I'm just feeling an excitement internally mm -hmm. as we explore this and I want to speak to something that I think many of our listeners and viewers will be aware of and I know that you certainly are in the non-dual communities that uh, are, tradition are, are common around the Bay Area and around the world. There are many beliefs and truths and insights that uh, are often taken by the mind and made to be counter to what we're talking about. So they would include that the world is illusory. You know, there's nothing there, so nothing really matters. Or that uh, all is well. Uh, this this extraordinary realization as the, the fear falls away that all mm -hmm. is ultimately absolutely well. Um, also that there's, there's no one here, that the self mm -hmm. is empty. There's no one mm -hmm. doing anything. So how could we possibly be creating a world? So I wonder how <laughs> that shows up for you, someone that's been in this community for uh, these communities for a long time. How do you navigate that marrying of, of absolute truth with action <clears throat> in the relative world and these ideas of awakened activism? Oh, that's a good question because those um, concepts are, well, are often, those truths often become concepts and get misunderstood, you know, because they are truths on an absolute level. On an absolute level, it's true that this is all uh, illusory in the sense that it doesn't have an independent existence. It doesn't exist apart from the one beingness or consciousness that we all are. Um, and it's also true that uh, there is no one here in the sense of there really being an independent, uh, separate self entity here that, that can do something. Um, yet we are here as these uh, empowered creators and manifesting through a personality and a self 
and it's the empowered creator, our true beingness, that's creating this world, not, not some idea of a separate self. And it's true that all is well, absolutely all is well, even in the midst of, you know, all of the dire situations that we see in our world right now. And at the same time, the movement of our being is one of pure love and compassion. It moves out of, out of love and care for its creation to create a better world, to create a happier, more peaceful um, world. So it's all paradoxical. Mm -hmm. that ultimately, that sums it up is that, you know, non-dual wisdom is paradoxical. Um, both is true and neither are true. And, you know, this is why it's difficult for the rational mind to understand how all can be well and still we must act. And I think there's a, a nice intersection that maybe uh, offers a lens which could be helpful for us as we all explore this, our, our viewers and listeners included, is that the experience, the realization that all is well, when that is present in the nervous system of an individual, we are in that moment, wherever we are, offering, we could say, the vibration or the presence of peace mm-hmm. or a lack of panic. And so we can see quite simply, well, there's the paradox. Uh, there's an intersection of it in our awakened activism. Yeah, if I receive some terrible news or there's some great drama happening and yet there's a capacity to show up present and peaceful and non-reactive and aware of our shared being rather than any particular narrative or defense pattern or whatever that might be coming up. So we see that that, that apparently passive realization is in itself a dynamic contribution to the uh, peacemaking and to oh, the enlightening of the world, if you like. Yes, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a in, in, uh, necessary, essential ingredient to the peacemaking, is to bring that vibration of our higher nature uh, to the world. It's, it's, uh, the, the world, as quantum physics is telling us, it's all energy, it's all energy frequencies being created by our consciousness, <laughs> being formed and molded in t- through our consciousness. So raising our frequency is one of the most important things that we can do. And if enough people raise their frequency into more awakened consciousness, then some of the darkness that we're seeing in our world can no longer tolerate that level of vibration or energy frequency. It cannot tolerate it, and it will start breaking down. In fact, that's already happening. There is such enough of a movement and a raising of consciousness on the planet that those darker systems are already starting to break down. Yeah, there are. Uh, Kristen, you were going to speak. Thank you. Um, I was interested in um, something that I had read. You had said um, that the world is a projection of our shadow. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could speak a little to that. Yes, hmm. yes um, a little bit earlier I said how the world is a is, uh, creation of our consciousness. There's only one consciousness, right? So the world is a, is a, a creation from that, of that. It comes out of that. It's a reflection of that. So when we look at our world, either, either in our little personal life or we look at the global situation, 
to me, it's a mirror back to ourselves. Like this is reflective of your consciousness, including our unconscious shadow material. And this is how we learn. These things are so important when they show up in our life as problems or uh, diff really difficult situations. They're telling us something. And the situation in the world now has such darkness that it's literally beyond my comprehension, some of it, you know, entirely beyond my comprehension. Yet it's in my world. It's in the greater consciousness that I'm uh, a, a part of. I am an individual expression of that, and I am all of that. So it's, it's telling human beings, it's saying, look, look in this mirror. What do you see? You know, pay attention to this, as opposed to seeing it as something separate from us, caused by them out there, and I have nothing to do with it over here. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's showing us our shadow. You know, what, what we're seeing in the world is the collective, unresolved, unmet, unconscious shadow of humanity mm -hmm. you know and it's 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 playing out in such a dramatic way it's saying wake up people look at this look at what's been created here take responsibility for this in, in the beginning within ourselves most importantly we have to start with ourselves and and then from there you know uh, it changes the collective and how do you suggest that someone utilize the world as this this concept that it's a projection of our shadow um, and and what they're seeing and you know currently most people are looking out into the world and they're very fearful so how would you suggest that someone works with that concept to like um, bring it home into them into their own bodies well this is the 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 challenge is what's being called for is for us to evolve our consciousness because from a um, more dualistic consciousness uh, hears that and looks at the world and it, 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 uh, it gets personally affected, it goes into fear, goes into some kind of reaction. But if we see more of the, the greater self that we are, that is an individual expression, but is greater than that, then we can, from that place of strength and uh, freedom, we can take a look at that. You know, because we're not identified with it. Mm -hmm. It's not me and I got to look at myself and I don't, don't want to look at that. It's more like, oh, look at, you know, what's been, been created here. I get to see this. It's showing me one more thing that I get to wake up within myself, that I can meet with that awakened consciousness within myself. So we do need an evolution of our consciousness more deeply rooted in the truth of our being in order to face that in a way that's going to be effective. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It needs to come from that place so we don't just go into fear and reactivity in the face of that. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to take responsibility for it from there as well. It, it seems that there's a, a great example of uh, a divine teacher of uh, an extraordinary opportunity, a, a place where the rubber hits the road right now in, in the U.S. with having a president uh, such as there is. And you know, I've always been fascinated by this notion that everyone is teachers, everyone's a reflection of our collective consciousness, and there's always that opportunity. And so I wonder, you know, speaking to what you're inquiring into there, Kristen, the opportunity to love or forgive Donald Trump to actually see him in the deeper truth of one consciousness, of one human being. And simultaneously, of course, it may be to say a very firm no to certain behaviors, policies, ideas, 
aspects of what shows up. So that seems to be a, a real place where, as I say, the rubber hits the road to be clear in our view of Donald Trump and also to be clear in what we affirm to be valuable and acceptable, what we want to experience in our society and, and what's unacceptable. Like misogyny is kind of so yesterday, you know, it's just really, we're done with it as humanity after 25,000 years, you know. Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, you know, for me, like Donald Trump, Donald Trump is also a reflection of our consciousness. It's a reflection of American culture. He's coming out of the American culture. He was a reality TV star. You know, he's a billionaire capitalist. He's, he's what we emulate, what we, where we put our attention in this country. It's a lot of, he's representing that is at the, the, the lower uh, levels of it, but this is, you know, what's representative and it's showing us something, uh, as I said earlier, whereas people can look at Trump and there's so much reactivity to him, anger towards him, wanting to get rid of him. And to me, it's reflective of also how we see anything in the world or within ourselves. If we react to it with anger and wanting to get rid of it, then our consciousness doesn't evolve. Um, so we see that, oh, look at, look at what Trump is a creation. Of, of our our society here and our consciousness here, and you know we need to uh, step up our game here and evolve our consciousness. And it doesn't include, it doesn't exclude action, as Will said. You know, from that place of more responsibility, yes, we take action. You know, there are things going on that that we we need to take action on. Like the most recent thing is the Republican tax bill which gives a massive giveaway to the corporations and the wealthy and takes more from the middle class and the poor. And uh, that really needs, we need to stand up to these things, which takes me into another topic, which, you know, um, I'll, I'll just touch upon and then see where you want to go with it, which is the empowerment that you speak of. It's, um, uh, there's a mass uh, victim mentality not just in the United States, but throughout the world, mm -hmm. a, a like learned helplessness, they call it in psychology, you know, where uh, people feel disempowered and unable to do anything about these things. They see the rich taking everything and leaving them with nothing, and they don't know what to do, so they just turn on their TV or whatever they can do to distract from it. And <clears throat> so we really have to find that empowerment within ourselves. There's been a a learned helplessness that I believe has been systematically programmed in people through our media, our education, our, our religions, and so on. And that it is possible for us to wake up out of that. It's absolutely necessary because right now the planet is being um, damaged severely by a very small percentage of the human population. Maybe one-tenth of the one percent of that. And there's seven billion of us you know, being a, a victimhood, you know, we need to wake up and shift that balance. Yeah, there's there's two pieces there that just uh, really uh, land fully in my experience. One is that the tax cut situation, it's such an explicit expression of how the system is rigged and set up and is being run by a small minority to serve a small minority. Right. And the, the blatantness of that is, mm -hmm. we could say, part of that uh, awakening. It's like it's really becoming quite impossible to ignore the fact 
that we do not have a democracy, nor in Australia or the UK, but it's so explicitly absent in the US. We have an oligarchy. We have a court, a court to procracy. I can't say the word. Corporatocracy. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> and in seeing that so clearly, yes. we imagine this will evoke anger and we imagine and hope this will evoke some form of strong response. And may it be a response rather than the unconscious reaction. Mm -hmm. And to speak to that power piece, this is so central to how Love and Truth Party has come into being, and I want to acknowledge what you do there, that it has been the intent and design of much of our culture, uh, many religions, many marketing, to, and politics indeed as well, to purposefully, intentionally, engender the experience of powerlessness, yeah. usually via shame or guilt or self-loathing. You know, you see the advert and it, it's got this wonderfully uh, created image that has been market researched to, in the quickest and most efficient way, make a woman of that target market or a teenager of that target market feel weak and disempowered. And then it presents this solution. And politics is much the same. Religion, whether it be the uh, the Catholic Church or Scientology to claim that you are a sinner or that you need work on. And so just Rita, to hold that huge piece, that this is our human culture in 2017. This is the game that we have played and participated right. in. Right. And to, to step out of that into what I love that right. you spoke to, our divine being, yes. our power as one yes. aspect of yes. this one consciousness. Yes, this whole situation you speak of is, is a pointing to that, pushing us to that, directing us to that. That's what it's all about, as far as I can see. It's wake up, one big wake up call. Wake up to who we really are and act from there. And you spoke to something which I found quite uh, interesting, which was around the individual role to play. And I'd like to explore that in a moment. First, just to touch on, so in our view, if you like, at Love and Truth Party, we don't have dogma, we don't have rules, but so far as we have a view, the idea of insufficiency or, or lack, mm -hmm. you know, the individual is not enough, is one falsehood, one great myth that we're awakening to. That insufficiency or scarcity or lack also in the idea that there's not enough for us all. Of course, that's a, a necessary lie to uh, create the circumstances where people feel or fear they don't have enough and so on. So we, we affirm the truth of plenty, you know, mm -hmm. the inherent enoughness of the individual and the inherent plenty and abundance of nature that we mm -hmm. see. And also to acknowledge the materialism Ontological, so the idea that this world is actually physical mm -hmm. rather than immaterial, as all the physics really ultimately points to, or as <laughs> energy, and the ethical materialism. So these two aspects of these, again, are falsehoods, myths that do not serve us, that we're awakening from and telling something more around. And so I'm, I'm intrigued if we, it, it seems that there's a meeting of the two. If the old myth that we're here to acquire lots of possessions and, and get lots of bigger houses and bigger cars 
you know, we're, we're, we discovered that doesn't work. You know, beyond 70K, there's no greater happiness. You know. <laughs> what if the new story was, as we're exploring here, to discover our individual role to play in the great awakening? Like, oh, I think that... <clears throat> Go ahead. Really, just to ask that question of you both, like, what is the contribution that we're here to make? If that became the story, the, the, the purpose for each of us being here, to play our part in the awakening of humanity, in the creation of a, of, a, of a world that works. Well, I think that's crucial, a very important point that uh, we all have a part to play. And this is a very important waking up out of the, the sense that somebody else is going to do it for us. That's another myth, that's another. Um, and in all of these myths, whether it's buying a lot of material things and that'll give you happiness or, you know, um, we're going to have to look to our leaders to do it for us. All of this is part of the uh, collective programming, right? Uh, by the few that are dominating the planet with the most wealth. And it's, it's, it serves them to have a compliant population that uh, serves their capitalism and so on. So it's very important that, that we wake up out of that. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, what was it? it it's, it seems, as we speak to that, that it creates an interesting thing to be aware of because what that naturally evokes, mm -hmm. potentially, is an identity as the savior or as the one that is going to save the world, change the world. And, and this is something I've been aware of. I've, you know, I've started this, this movement, this, mm -hmm. this community, and uh, to, to not take on that identity or to see it just as a role to play. So I wonder if we can speak to that, explore that. What is it to hold that non-dual wisdom of the nothingness, the emptiness, whilst playing the role of the world changer, the awakened activist? I'd like to hear. Uh, yes, that's a very, very important point. Um, and, you know, back to like, our, we're, I'll back up a little bit and, and speak to that we're we look to uh, leaders, political leaders are going to save us. We're going to vote for the right person who's then going to fix it for us. Many people saw Barack Obama as that way. <clears throat> he promoted his campaign on uh, hope and change and everybody just kind of went to sleep after he got elected. Okay, now we have somebody that's going to take care of everything. Of course, that didn't happen. You know, he served the oligarchy, you know, as much as all of the presidents do. And that's what, that woke up people somewhat. But we have to see that, no, we're not going to vote for somebody that's going to do it for us. It's, it's us. And as we awaken more to our true nature, then we simultaneously awaken more to our calling, you know, what we're here to do. Each one of us has a unique part to play. Um, but we need to wake our consciousness up enough to even see it you know, at uh, more identified dualistic consciousness, we're still more and I'm not good enough and this is wrong and with me and so on and all of our conditioning. We need to, you know, see beyond our conditioning enough to get in touch with our gift, our calling, what we're here to do. And no matter how big or small it looks to the mind, whatever it is for us as an individual is the most we could offer the planet. You know, because it's ours. It's this particular expression offering its gift to the collective. And as we each individually come into that calling and manifest that in the world together, if enough people do that, that will shift the direction that we're going on the planet right now.
Okay. I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> um, and it feels to me like one of the things that gets in the way for people is one of the old stories of we, we need money and stuff. And so it keeps us on this hamster wheel of going to the you know, corporate job and making the money and, and keeping this whole um, thing rolling forward. Um, and people sort of get like completely absorbed in there. Um, and it's hard to remember how, like, what is it? So what is my purpose beyond survival, right? Because survive the, the stakes of survival have gotten so high. In other words, mm -hmm. we need so much in order to just survive in San Francisco or Oakland, right? Um, and so this idea of coming to that place where people can identify purpose as, as their joy, mm -hmm. as what, what brings you joy. Mm -hmm. And what brings us joy, it's not always evident and clear how what brings us joy would create change or bring us enough money to survive. And so I feel like even the exploration of what would bring me joy gets halted, gets stunted, because of this myth of materialism. Right, and yeah, that's part of the, that's an important part of the programming. And um, because as uh, Will mentioned earlier about infinite abundance, this is an infinite universe creating continually infinite abundance. There is no lack anywhere. That's a complete myth, it's not true at all. But we've been programmed to think that way. And we get into a reality of like, well, my joy would be to be an artist, but I can't do that because I won't be able to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a real challenge that we can only meet again with more awakened consciousness. It keeps coming back to awakened activism being how much more can we awaken our consciousness to what's actually true. If we're actually seeing through the vision of the truth of infinite abundance, then we don't buy into that programming as much. Mm -hmm. And we can bring ourselves back to our joy in fact, following our joy is one of the main doorways to our calling. Mm -hmm. We follow our joy, and that's, you know, the pathway to, you know, what the calling is. And then when we find our calling, I realize I didn't uh, address this from Will earlier, that it, it's not, you know, that there's no doer and there's no one here, but yet I want to change the world. <laughs> no, the one that's going to change the world isn't the, the little separate self-imaginary doer. It's the one doer that is moving everything in the universe. That will do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And to recognize, to recognize that we are that one being. We are ultimately connected to source. We are expressions of that mm -hmm. one divine being. Mm -hmm. And it seems uh, a, a, a timely moment to, to point to an aspect of our our love letters. So this is one of our sort of mechanisms of play and of awakened activism. And we've got that quote from Einstein in which uh, you, know, you can argue as to whether he said it or not, but this question as to whether the universe is a friendly place being an important question, getting to those really fundamental narratives and programmings and conditionings we have. And of course, to shift from a place of uh, dog eats dog, everyone out for their own survival, uh, death is this terrible thing that could happen at any moment and so on to a recognition of our infinite and eternal being living in an abundant universe that in playful and observable experiential ways supports mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. expression and service 
and contribution yes. Yes. is a fundamental change in our storying of what reality is and what this mm-hmm. world is. And I wanted to point to something. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. The mm-hmm. kind of um, essence of that individual. So you or I, any of us and anyone listening and watching, when we cultivate and move into a place of deep self-love and appreciation, including welcoming residual shame patternings or whatever, Mm -hmm. like really bringing that gentleness and that compassion and that love to our own being, to our own selves. We're kind of undoing the mainframe of the collective matrix or the ego phrenia that we're collectively suffering from and experiencing the effects from. Because when I'm in connection, when I'm connected, when I'm in love, in the love that we are, we could say, I'm impervious to the advertising or to mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to, to anything mm-hmm. else. So it seems like there's a, you are asking Kristen about like, where, where do we practice this? And it seems that perhaps in our own self-love, there's actually something political. Yes, it is. All of it is. Becoming, coming more into our self-love is political, coming into the peace that we are in the midst of it, coming into our true abundance and infinite power is part of it. All of that's political. And what awakened activism looks like in terms of action isn't necessarily political action. You know, marching mm-hmm. down the street with a sign or doing something political. It's doing what this expression is moved to do for the whole. So it goes bigger than social and political action actually yeah I, I love that you speak to that and one of the things we're um playfully attempting to facilitate and encourage with love and truth party is to uh, to do whatever that is for an individual to be a new earth ninja to playfully create in the world whether that be knocking on the door of the elderly person down the street who you know to be lonely and would appreciate that connection or a, a meditation flash mob or um, you know, if anyone can get a love letter to your politicians, to, to Donald Trump, I, I think they need some love as, yeah. as well. Uh, so bringing this, this spirit of play also into action. Yeah, definitely. Yes, it doesn't have to be very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both sacred activism and uh, awakened activism, which really is the same thing. I'm just putting a particular emphasis in there. Um, it, they're both very different from conventional activism, which often does, is, is not playful, gets very serious and intense, and people can get very burned out, right? And uh, come from more of a place of anger and outrage and fear and fighting against and, you know, anti this and anti that. And so that's also what we need to move beyond in a form of social and political activism that, that comes from the understanding that all is well, and yet we're moving from this deeper wisdom in a loving and playful way um, to uh, facilitate a better dream, you know, yeah. a better dream for all of us. It feels almost like we need some, like new languaging, right, for activism, because it does, it does like we resist, right? There's like these words that are out there that are associated with change that have to do with fighting against, like you said, and resisting. And um, it, it's that, that feels different than what you're, you're talking about here and um, finding those, I don't know, maybe you have, um, but finding that new languaging that, that can be more positive and, you know, 
this idea that we're moving in the flow of right. source, right. not against it. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. And it, it's challenging because uh, the English language, probably all languages, are um, inherently dualistic. So it's mm -hmm. very difficult. And the rational mind is dualistic. And uh, when I just wrote my book, Undivided Love, it was extremely challenging to write about non-dual wisdom in, in language. Uh, because it really can't be uh, written about or understood in that way. It's so paradoxical. But we have to do the best we can to use language and come up with a new language, a new paradigm. You know, we absolutely need a new paradigm. It's like um, another quote that allegedly um, Einstein said is we can't, you know, fix a problem on the level that it was created. Mm -hmm. you know, we must come to, to another level, which will then evolve a new language and a new action and a new way to meet all of what we're being faced with in our world. <laughs> it, it, it seems that there's something rich in uh, you're pointing to the uh, weakness or the ineffectiveness of uh, opposing constantly. Yeah, this is a quite a common theme uh, uh, that there's no point in going on an anti-war rally, but a, a peace rally. Yeah, to be affirming what we value, to be drawing our attention to what we appreciate. Yeah, really getting clear as a collective that we appreciate, for example, kindness. You know, that yeah. kindness is beautiful. That love is not some uh, mere neurobiological offering or uh, a, a weak sentiment, but mm -hmm. the essence of what it is to be human and something that we all value. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump wants to be loved. I want to be loved. We all love being loved. We all love love. We all are, in a sense, loving. And so to be really clear on uh, the solution that's emerging through us, to be envisioning, to be, to be voting, as it were, with our individuated aspect of consciousness. Yes, that's what we vote for. It's with that, our consciousness, with our vibration. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what's really going to, to make a difference. And it's true that what we resist, you know, persists. You've heard that statement. You know, anything that we resist just will continue it. <laughs> that's not going to resolve anything at all, no matter how skillfully it's done. And that even includes spiritual um, activists, if they're still operating out of separation and duality. You know, and that's another little distinction there with the awakened um, activism is that we even we get out of the separate self-identity and create something that is not anti that's not resistance and and at the same time that it's affecting change that's another paradox mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it seems to be a, a, a fundamental shift and you mentioned quantum mechanics you know this recognition that we still really haven't integrated into our cultural view a uh, hundred years on that there is an act of creation. You know, this uh, Wigner's, you know, one of the 11 main interpretations of quantum mechanics. It's not woo-woo, it's not new age. It's actually pretty firm, solid physics, this particular interpretation that the collapse of the wave function is the observer. So this reality, this apparent solid right. world is collapsed into either wave or particle through our observing, through consciousness coming into effect. So as more and more people take on that view, and the vibration of peace and love and unity, there is a, a transformation, transforming happening. The, the, the world of form 
is affected. And I, I love this idea that it just seems really rich to, to speak to that we're, and um, this is one of our slogans. We like slogans at Love and Truth Party, or I do at least. And one of them is that we're playing powerfully in the pure democracy of consciousness. Right. Because we know that votes don't get counted in the American democracy or any other. They literally do not get counted. We know that Bernie Sanders was the popular candidate. We know that he was the true democratic representation. But the Democrat Party, funnily enough, ensured that he wasn't even a candidate. <laughs> right. And yet we also know the good news. We also know the good news that we are always having our vote counted in one consciousness, in one being. When we are kind, when we are um, allowing uh, an anger or a fear to flow through us and become clear, to become peace, to become present, we know that that is a contribution, that that's being counted, it's being heard. We, that cannot be ignored. So there's this sense of our, mm. our being uh, being a vote in the collective at any one moment. Yes, that be beautifully put. Yeah, I like that. We're being a vote in the collective. <laughs> now it's really how we're being and where we focus our attention. And we can focus it on kindness and compassion and positive things. We can focus it on anger and fear and, and lack. You know, so it's like how we're focusing our consciousness. And most importantly, uh, to come to recognize this uh, greater background of awareness, I'll call it, this alive beingness that everything is made of, recognize that. It's really looking out of our eyes. It's really staring us in the face at all times. It's not so difficult. There's so much energy to recognize that right now. And then we put our attention on that. We return attention to that. There's no language that fits. You know, rest as that would probably be the most accurate repeatedly so that becomes stronger more foreground than our conditioned uh, mind identity so it's giving the attention to that that's primary to awakened activism so that we become more deeply rooted in that identity and moving more fully from or as that identity so that's a little bit of a distinction there um, acting in kindness and compassion would come along with that but we want to go directly to that to that infinite source repeatedly until it becomes more and more and more deeply known and it's it's good to like know what's going on though be informed you know be i know so many people especially even very uh deeply awake spiritual people they decide i don't want to look at it it's too disturbing I'm, i don't turn on the news i don't look at it um you know so i think it's important to see what's mm -hmm. going on uh, just enough so we are informed because burying our head in the sand isn't going to help either, even if we have awakened consciousness. Uh, so many of the spiritual people are just not looking at it. They're either bypassing it because it's, it's a, um, a, an illusion or it doesn't matter or whatever. And I feel like, well, then take your awakened consciousness and move into that um, because, yes, we need to create a, a better dream and be informed. You know, with the uh, more deeply we go into all as well, the more we can have a capacity to take a look at, you know, all of the darkness in the world. It's shocking. It's hard to look at. It's difficult to look at and especially difficult to look at without lowering the vibration down into depression, helplessness, fear, and so on. So we keep, uh, we stay informed enough 
but we put the emphasis of our attention primarily mm-hmm. emphasize prioritize on what the deepest truths we know and if we can go directly to awaken non-dual awareness we go there as much as possible if we can't get directly to there we go to uh, an act of kindness or what is the deepest truth in any moment that you know and you emphasize and prioritize that i think that's uh, primary to what i would call awakened activism yeah and it speaks clearly to the the need and the comparative uh, as above so below of our personal shadow work our capacity to meet and greet and face bring into the light our own darkness greed hatred fear shame and all the rest and to bring that same capacity to the outer world to look at it and to to love it you know to to love the darkness to love the madness to love the craziness and something that was so powerful in what you were speaking to about the realization of consciousness as this and i like the idea to continue the analogy of the democracy that this is a sort of uh, super block that this is the state that counts that mm-hmm. in the realization of the infinite and eternal presence that i am there is something far more powerful and effective than those lower states of consciousness of fear or anger and we can look to history of course if this is uh, stretching our boundaries of credulity we can look to that firm evidence of of gandhi as a great example that movement of independence in india that was thought to be impossible and yet with this uh, satyagraha with this truth force activated something seemingly impossible mm-hmm. was achieved i think that there's a very important point that got brought up in what you just said is that um we uh now i've forgotten what it was <laughs> <laughs> what were you what were you saying <laughs> well it was gandhi was it gandhi that prompted oh that that um we i people can get ideas you know they can get ideas that what an awakened form of activism looks like is that we're always peaceful and calm and and loving and mm-hmm. in the face of there's horrific stuff going on in this world mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't mean that we have to love it in that kind of way mm-hmm. we love the essence of it we love that it's part of our own self from a deeper understanding but there's something that's called a uh, sacred outrage mm-hmm. you know that in the face of some of uh, the things that are happening in our on our planet right now to the environment to the children to women to everybody mm-hmm. that brings out a sacred outrage in me that that comes from love mm-hmm. that's coming from love so i want people to know that it doesn't always have to look like sweetness and flowers you know that we we can be outraged by what's happening happening and we move from that outrage uh from from a deeper love it, it can look the same but it's coming from a different place yeah i love that you bring that up and it's a question i've really been exploring and like is is outrage helpful and it can bring up different ideas and vibrations and feelings but i fully concur with this notion that there is a, a sacred outrage that there can be an anger that is a profoundly wise and loving movement and it uh, brings to mind a, a teacher of mine who spoke about uh, who put it this way he would say that if you attack my child if you put my child's life in danger i will break your neck if necessary 
to save my child's life and my heart will break as I do so. So that's the, the, the right action that comes from a clear non-reactive awareness of the situation that there is something deeply important and sacred and valuable that needs protection. But it's not from a reactivity or, 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 or from... No, it's, it's coming from pure love and not reactivity. That's the, the important distinction. But that, that love that we need to move from now uh, in our world is a fierce love. It's a fierce love. And to me, it's a fierce love of the divine feminine that needs to come in more on the planet. Mm. You know, the Kali aspect of the, the fierce love that you see in a mother for her child, that kind of fierce love. We need more of that on the planet right now. The, the masculine, or I should say the toxic masculine, has dominated the planet for over 5,000 years, and we see the results of that. So the, the, the feminine needs to be empowered and brought more into the world. Absolutely. And to allow that integration of the masculine and the feminine in, in, in each of us, whether male or, or female. And uh, something at Love and Truth Party that we're attempting and exploring and endeavoring is to um, create that, to allow that in our organization, to for a start to have female representation uh, in the majority. Um, mm -hmm. So who knows, maybe a step in the near future would be my stepping back and just letting the feminine power just take mm -hmm. over. I rather like that idea, to be quite frank. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So it feels like we're reaching a natural place of completion around a, a topic we could explore for, for days. <laughs> and I feel there's a great richness in this notion of awakened activism and some pointers to how that might look for us individually as we show up in the world. And uh, hopefully Love and Truth Party can be a vehicle that people can use, hopefully Undivided Love, um, <laughs> when your book yeah. is released, will be an opportunity. I want to speak also to Kristen's wonderful integration of art and yoga um, that's happening. You can check out uh, Kristen's extraordinary offerings in this regard as well. So really to honor each of our individual contributions to create a more beautiful world. And you had a lovely uh, prayer, a Native American prayer. I'm sitting here in Melbourne, Australia to take a moment to acknowledge the, the Wurundjeri people that own this land, that are the uh, original peoples of this land. Mm -hmm. uh, Lynn Marie, I believe you have uh, a Native American prayer that it feels timely to, to share. Yes, and I, I really honor the, um, the natives to my country um, and offer my deepest apologies to them for how they've been treated in this country. It breaks my heart. And they had um, many of them, not all of them, but many of these tribes had a very deep understanding of the sacredness of life and of the earth that uh, we um, could learn from still. And this prayer comes from the Oji, Ojibwe um, tribe. It's grandfather, grandmother. Look at our brokenness. We know that in all creation, only the human family has strayed from the sacred way. We know that we are the ones who are divided and we are the ones who must come back together. 
to walk the sacred way. Grandfather, grandmother, sacred ones, teach us love, compassion, and honor that we may heal the earth and heal each other. Aho. Aho. Thank you so much, Lynn Marie, for joining us today. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us today. I want just to ensure that your website is given mention, Lynn Marie. And I believe you've got two websites, lynnmarielumiere.com. And can you uh, remind? Well, um, awakened, uh, therapyforawakening.com is connected to lynnmarielumiere.com. Right. And I think I'm just going to go with lynnmarielumiere.com which will include uh, the therapy work I do, events I offer, and the book. So lynnmarielumiere.com. Beautiful. <laughs> I really appreciate you giving your time. It's been fun exploring with you both. Yeah. To, by, by way of closing, I want to draw attention to these mm-hmm. love letters and uh, to say if you've enjoyed this production to our viewers and listeners and would like to support the creation of more similar programming, and feel resonance with the call to be of service to an emergent human culture, please join us. You can download love letters. You can print your own love letters. Um, Sign up for our newsletter. Like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And even consider a financial gift at loveandtruthparty.org. You can become a regular supporter or make a small gift and help fund our future media productions and webinars and to say thank you to all our supporters and contributors uh, already dozens and dozens of people have taken the time and energy to allow love and truth party to be what it is and to allow this truth level webinar and podcast Mm -hmm. to come into form so i'm deeply grateful to all of them the love and truth party website again is loveandtruthparty.org Let's enjoy being New Earth ninjas, uh, whether it be creating an organic garden or handing out love letters or meditation flash mobs on the streets or uh, whatever form that takes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. And we'll see you next time on the, the Truth Lover webinar. Okay. Bye, thank and humanity. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.